A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Statman Day Football Podcast Episode 1 Ground Zero. So, you say Statman Day Football Podcast, what is that? Well, hopefully it's going to be a daily show running Monday to Friday where I'm going to be doing absolutely everything about the world of football. Mondays is going to be Talking Point Day uh, and that's what we're going to do today. So first up we're going to hit, hit a little bit of news, then move on to the Talking Point where we're going to be discussing Manchester United's return to an attractive style of football, then move to Turin and talk about the mighty Juve and finish off with a race to the top four. But anyway, it's news time. Well, first up we've got to talk about Leicester City and they're picking up another defeat in the Premier League pushing them pretty much into the relegation battle. Swansea have been resurgent under Paul Clement and Rawson scored a really good volley. But there's some really interesting stats that have been taken apart Leicester City that are coming out today. First up, Jamie Vardy has failed to have a shot on target in the last 513 minutes of Premier League action. I had a quick look and was comparing the stats from um, you know the, the two best players for Leicester City last season, Mares and Vardy in an attacking sense versus their performance this year. And it's pretty bad reading for Leicester City fans. First up, Jamie Vardy scored five goals and got two assists this season. Mares three goals and two assists. We compare that to the same um, period last season after 25 games. Jamie Vardy had scored 18 goals and registered three assists. And Mares 14 goals and 10 assists. Massive contrasts on last season. Moving on to another bit of news we've got to talk about Burnley getting a good point uh, at home to Chelsea. Chelsea have been in really good form in recent weeks. Pedro grabbing the goal there but a brilliant free kick from Robbie Brady. One of the best of the season I have to say from about 30 yards out into the top corner. But Chelsea roll on and, and uh, keep the 10 point gap over Arsenal and Spurs. Moving over to Italy, we'll quickly touch on uh, Juventus, who have, I've been a massive fan of this season. They've uh, moved to a new shape, a new system, which we'll be discussing in point number two. They picked up a 2-0 win over Calgary on uh, Sunday night, on Sunday evening, um, again extending their run at the top of Serie A to seven points. Pretty much game set match over there, but it's interesting, the battle for the Champions League with a resurgent Inter Milan, uh, Candreva um, with a hand in both of the goals there. Obviously Napoli winning uh, on Friday night, another good result for them, and uh, Roma doing their stuff so Syria very competitive but not at the top maybe the, the sort of second third fourth position over to Spain Atletico Madrid a brilliant game um, against Celta Vigo after about what, 87 minutes they were 2-1 two two down uh, and then Carrasco scored a wonder goal and Griezmann nicked it for Atleti 
Uh, but yeah, they've, they've hit a little bit of a, a strange patch where they are reliant on uh, the big, big players, the wonder goal. So it's going to be interesting to see how Simeone deals with it in the latter stages of the Champions League. And of course, we've got to finish off in Germany in the Bundesliga. Hoffenheim losing again. They went from the um, holding the best record in Europe's top five leagues in terms of an unbeaten run uh, to uh, picking up two defeats in the last three games. So Nagelsmann has a bit of a job to do. Maybe they've been worked out. Maybe this 3-5-2 has been combated. But anyway... Let's finish up with a little bit of banter, of course. We've got to touch on Levesi. He's been in China for a year now, has failed to score a goal and picked up a whopping £20.8 million. It's so, all right for some, eh? And, of course, Joel Veltman over an Ajax. Um, really interesting little moment in the game. He's a, he's a right fullback, and he had the ball in the final third, saw a teammate was down. So pointed at him, the opposition turned and looked, and then he did a little shimmy, ran down the line. Great sportsmanship, of course, from Joel Veltman. But anyway, I think it's time, news done, let's t- let's get into the talking points straight away. First of all, I think we've got to talk about Manchester United and their return to some really attractive football in periods against Watford. Manchester United are finally finding their feet in the Premier League this season um, with Jose Mourinho. You know, at the start of the season, he was playing a 4-3-3. He was trying and testing a number of formations. But with Mkhitaryan's real return to, to form and return to promise in the United setup, United have switched to a 4-2-3-1 in recent weeks. And this has really helped out both Mkhitaryan and Juan Mata in a creative sense. And uh, here we'll just jump into the talking points that I gave over in the weekend for the United-Watford game. Talking Mkhitaryan and, of course, Juan Mata. Well, Mats plays an interesting role. He's pretty much given a free role. His freest role he's ever had at Manchester United under Jose Mourinho. At the start of the season, do you think I was going to say that? Absolutely not. But what Mata gives this United attack is a bit of unpredictability. He drifts from the right-hand side to attacking midfield, to deep in midfield, but also picks up pockets of space on that left-hand side, which is really interesting. He creates overloads playing from the right on the left. Brilliant movement from Juan Mata. What's been so impressive, though, this season, we mentioned before, is his movement in behind the defensive line of the opposition. And again, there were two massive moments in the first half where Juan Mata sneaked in behind. I think first up, it was it was picked up by um, Ander Herrera, found him with a brilliant ball. Then he uh, created a brilliant chance for Mkhitaryan to fire over the bar, something that Mkhitaryan probably needs to improve on in his uh, dealing with these cutbacks. It's a weird thing at Borussia Dortmund, it was quite similar, where he seemed to just miss cutbacks. Like, cutbacks is something that he needs to work on, the ball coming back to him at pace. He needs to get over the ball because he blazed that over the bar. But again, back to one matter. Brilliant movement off the ball. Really good at, like, you know, that again... Him from the right-hand side, that was him running in behind the uh, right fullback on the left-hand side for Manchester United. And then later on, a daily blind uh, pass, again, Matter on that left-hand side, getting in behind and creating a brilliant chance for uh, Zlatan Eric, who, again, should have scored, but we'll talk about him a little bit later on. But that's what I like about one Matter in this system, is it gives United that unpredictability and that, uh, you know, an extra playmaker in there, and a different playmaker to um, the guy we're going to talk about next, Henrik Mkhitaryan. Again, fantastic performance from their Armenian international I love him at number 10 in this United team I'd say last season Borussia Dortmund it suited playing on the right wing for more of a possession based style but because United are a bit more direct suits this number 10 the two goals that United scored uh, Mkhitaryan was you know 100% involved both times he played the, the pre-assist pass in a way um, you know you go to ice hockey they do count that that pass the pass that's before the assist and in football I quite like to see that stat so maybe I'll start collecting that myself but anyway going back in, back to Henrik Mkhitaryan the first goal was absolutely brilliant you know he intercepted the ball played a 1-2 with one matter then opened himself up a nice through ball into the channel for Anthony Martial to play the ball back across to one matter to finish but it was brilliant play from the Armenian 
and he just you know picked up the ball in the centre of the park um, with central midfielders around him a little one-two and he's through he's attacking the back four and it's that pace that creativity that United have lacked in the last few seasons that um, Henrik Mkhitaryan is now adding uh, to this United attack but then go to the second goal again Ander Herrera another turnover in midfield Paul Pogba the first thing Mkhitaryan does when, he got, when he's got the ball is play a forward pass it's something that we probably don't get from the likes of Juan Mata when he plays number 10 he's quite a safe number 10 Juan Mata when he plays there you know more square passes more diagonal passes but every, every time Mkhitaryan gets the ball it's always head up I want to play that forward pass and again it's the pass before the assist a crucial crucial pass in the move direct into Zlatan's feet and then Zlatan with the through ball but it's that heads up football that I like from Henry Mkhitaryan we saw that against Leicester City um, with the assist that he got there for the Juan Mata goal again but it's it's brilliant. So both were absolutely crucial to United's win. Of course, Anthony Martial as well was brilliant on that left-hand side. Really gave United width with uh, Mkhitaryan running the, running the ball, dictating the play in the final third. And Juan Mata giving United that unpredictability. Uh, Martial kept it quite simple, stayed wide, but took his fullback on, went inside, went outside and was absolutely fantastic in the game. But I'm a big, big fan of this 4-2-3-1. And I really feel like this is the, the next stage of world football. This is where you're going go to go to win the Champions League to win Premier League titles over the, the next few seasons. We've seen, uh, obviously, the rise of possession-based football, um, three-man midfields with a defensive midfielder. The last time this cycle came around with Barcelona, it was ended by Jose Mourinho's Inter Milan team who played um, the 4-2-3-1 with Diego Milito as a, a single striker and uh, Schneider, Schneider sorry, in behind. And it really worked out and they obviously won the Champions League uh, that year. But I feel like that's the same cycle European football is going to go. And I feel like Manchester United going to this 4-2-3-1 it's going to be really interesting next season, especially if they get Griezmann. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for the football uh, podcast, day, Satman Day Football Podcast, because I'm going to look into that. I'm going to look into Griezmann to Manchester United and whether it fits um, and how do you accommodate Paul Pogba, which moves us nicely on to talking about Paul Pogba in this 4-2-3-1. I am quite a fan of Paul Pogba in this system. Obviously, last year, Paul Pogba played in a 3-5-2 for Juventus, but... It pretty much looked like a, a 3-4-3 where Paul Pogba was one of the attacking players. He was one of the front three playing in sort of the inside left channel, Dybala in the inside right and Mario Mandzukic playing through the middle. So Phil Paul Pogba has been decent for United uh, in spells this season playing in the 4-3-3, sort of linking the, the midfield and attack. But in recent weeks in that system, he's, he's looked a bit off. So I feel like with Mourinho switching to the system, it's given Paul Pogba... It sort of shackled him a little bit, but it shackled him in a positive way. I thought he was really good against Watford um, with his ability to spread the ball, his ability to look over the top. That's a, a great quality Paul Pogba's had, to play those uh, deep balls from his own half over the top. You know, Zlatan was, was clean through on one opportunity, probably should have scored, blazed his volley over. Obviously had a, a pretty poor game, Zlatan Ibrich, in a, in a, a shooting um, way. His, his shots were, were wide, were high. Two opportunities from about six yards out, then he missed the target. But I like Paul Pogba in that little defensive deep-lying role where he can spot those passes. But also he got forward quite well. He had that great chance within like 20 minutes where he entered the, the Watford box. Um, and I feel it gives him a little bit... Uh, player teams are going to have to figure out what to do with Pogba now in this deeper role, whether they go man-to-man with him. Because I felt like they it was worked out. They did sort of... Teams started to nullify Paul Pogba in that sort of left-central midfield role. You think of a dristy guy for Everton who absolutely man-marked him out of the game. And I feel like playing Paul Pogba a little bit deeper gives the freedom to Mkhitaryan, to Juan Mata and Martial. At the moment, Paul Pogba is a little bit inconsistent in terms of his chance creation and goals. You're not going to get that with um, Mkhitaryan and Juan Mata because they're at the sort of peak of their career. They're at the consistent level of their career. And you've seen 
seen Mkhitaryan in the last few games, assists, second assistants, and so forth. So I feel like playing Paul Pogba a little bit deeper could get the best out of that band of three, but also get the best out of himself. I think defensively, he's made a number of pretty big tackles in recent in the last two games against Leicester City. You know, he won a few tackles in the penalty area that were really good, like last ditch tackles, but they were really good tackles. And I just want to see Paul Pogba find his feet in the Premier League in this sort of four-two-three-one because with Griezmann coming in. He's going to have to play that position next season. But anyway, what are we moving on to now? Just going to hit the notes up. So, of course, we're going to move on to uh, Eric Bay. Uh, something I didn't touch in on my three talking points, but Bay has been fantastic in the last two games as well. Really good since coming back from the African Cup of Nations, where Ivory Coast were absolutely rubbish. But it's quite interesting with United this year how... There have been two sort of centre-back pairings. First up, it's the, you know, the Chris Smalling and Bay partnership that's been, that was really good at the start of the year. And then obviously Rojo and Jones coming in around Christmas and really tearing it up. Jones's injury was a big shame for myself. So I feel he was playing really well. He was being aggressive. He was defending in, in a Mourinho way, defending the penalty area, but defending it well. Similar to Marcus Rojo, doesn't mess about on the ball, clears it, gets rid, which is a complete flip to what he does at left back. Because at left back, sometimes I really do question his positioning, what the hell he's doing. Remember Dave Rant earlier on in the season against Feyenoord, where Feyenoord just absolutely destroyed him on that left-hand side, and I was livid. I was like, Rojo out, Rojo out, but he's been good at centre-half. But anyway, going back to Bay, I just love his command of uh, the presence that he has and the big tackles he put in. He was fantastic against Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney is one of the best uh, strikers in the Premier League in terms of holding the ball up, being physical, and Bay did very well. I think there was only one moment where um, Troy Deeney managed to spin him, but the rest of the game, it was Bay's ball every single time. Very, very good at going to ground, bringing the ball out, and that's one of his qualities, is playing those forward passes, and something that we'll mention a little bit further on with you there and Benucci. I feel like Bay could be Man United's Benucci with his quality on the football, and playing those balls into the feet of the likes of Juan Mata, Mkhitaryan, and of course, if Paul Pogba decides to push up, hitting him as well. But I think that's been it for Manchester United actually one last final thing so Manchester United let's go back to the actual talking point in terms of attractive football there was a moment from around 30 minutes in the first half till about 45 where it's probably some of the best football I've seen United play in about three seasons in terms of the short passing the interplay the, the combination play and it was all credit to Henrik Mkhitaryan controlling it at number 10 but also Ander Herrera uh, just winning the ball back and giving it to those attackers and it was sort of going back to those days of short, quick, high tempo football that every United fan absolutely loves I hope Mourinho does stick with this 4-2-3-1 uh, against the weaker teams and potentially dropping an extra man in midfield against the bigger teams I don't mind going to a, a 4-5-1 like Sir Alex Ferguson uh, did against the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. He always went with a, a three-man midfield with a defensive pivot. But maybe Mourinho will uh, sort of change his, change his ways up and do go with that attacking midfield with Henry Mkhitaryan breaking at pace because that could be very, very dangerous against the likes of Liverpool. What I've loved in recent weeks is how Ando Herrera has been turning the ball over and United have scored. There's been two goals they've scored. One against Watford where Herrera turned the ball over then seven seconds later the ball was in the back of the net. One against Leicester City, Herrera turns the ball over. 16 seconds later the ball's in the back of the net. So this could make United a really dangerous counter-attacking weapon and given that Pep Guardiola is going to this possession-based style uh, other teams will follow that because they will start to see that it's going to work and I know that uh, we'll touch on City a little bit later on as well obviously with the race to the top four but again obviously United that other tactical flexibility they can go for the 3-3-4 that Mourinho does love uh, when chasing the game chucking big Marouane Fellaini up top but United this season for me very very positive Hey everyone I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Anyway, on to the second point. Let's talk a little bit about Juve. I've, I've loved Juve the last few seasons. Um, just like their, their, their managers, the, the Conte and that now Allegri, very different managers. Obviously, Conte, a bit more man management, a bit more physical, a bit more work rate. And Allegri sort of evolved this side massively. You know, you think of the first season he took over, getting to that Champions League final, playing a combination of a 4-4-2 diamond, a flat 4-4-2, and of course, the 3-5-2, the 3-6-1. It was so interchangeable for Juve in that Champions League season. They were so good at game management. They'd, they'd nick a goal and they'd switch to defensive system that would give them more opportunity on the counter-attack. But again, Allegri has evolved the side. And the last four games in, in Serie A, he's been playing a, a 4 2 Two three one um, in attack, so it looks like a four two three one when they've got the ball, but drops to a four four two without the ball. That's one of Allegri's favourite systems uh, as a defensive manager. He loves setting up in that way. You think of his diamond that, that did flip to that with, um, you know, he had Pirlo bottom of the base of the diamond, uh, Vidal at the top, Marquisio on one side, Pogba on the other side. They did flip to a, a flat four when they had the ball, and that was sort of how you they uh, did defend that season and what they're doing this year. But in terms of when they've got the ball, it makes sense for me in terms of the components because they've got a lot of top, top components in this side. If we go back to front and talk of this, the 4-2-3-1, they've kind of got it all, which is absolutely crazy. We've seen another evolution of this Juve side. Obviously, Buffon and goal. The game that were this weekend, actually, before we dive into the system against Calgary, um, Juve were absolutely fantastic in terms of the game management and that's what they've been in this system their game management's been fantastic they control the tempo of the game um, they, they sort of wear their opponent out and they wait for those opportunities um, you know first up let's talk sort of before in the game uh, brilliant save uh, the only chance uh, Kelly had was from outside the air and Buffon made an absolute wonder save and that's what they've got uh, depth in goalkeeper moving to that back four of course Licksteiner we know what he's done he's been one of the best right fullbacks in recent years in terms of getting forward and with Danny Alves coming to the club it was a challenge for Licksteiner to uh, keep his position in the side but Licksteiner showed that he's got that combative nature and that energy that potentially Danny Alves at the last stage of his career is losing and you know a brilliant right back and a great performance uh, in the game on Sunday night, got forward very, very well and linked with Quadrado, who we'll touch on a little bit later, down that right perfectly. In terms of the back two, uh, you know, the centre back wise, they've got so much depth there. You think in Barzagli, Chiellini, Bonucci, uh, Rugani, 
Uh, a great depth there. That's without even talking about Benatia, who's not really been in the team this year. Uh, Chiellini going off with an injury, which could be a worry for their Champions League tie against Porto in the coming weeks. Uh, but, you know, Rugani came on, and Rugani's one of those defenders I really like. It was a great start when he was at Empoli that he didn't commit a single yellow card uh, in a whole season of football under Sari at Empoli and played every single minute, played more minutes than any other outfielder in Syria. So his quality is there. And he, when he came on, he was really commanding, really good with the ball at his feet. And obviously Benucci next to him. We all know Benucci's quality as a, as a ball-playing centre-back, fantastic. Moving to the left-back slot, Alexandro, who's been really good this season. He's the only Juventus player to play every single minute of action this year. And with Patrice Evera being moved on, it's quite a good transition that um, Alexandro's come in at Porto. I thought he was brilliant going forward, and he's kind of showing that form now at Juve. Moving into central midfield against Cagliari, uh, they went with uh, Kadira and, of course, uh, Marquisio, who's had a bit of a, a timeout injured. Um, in terms of the tempo, wasn't great in the first 30 minutes but he really got hold of the game after 30 minutes and and you know the tempo started to get up and he's a different deep light playmaker to their other option uh, I'd say Pjanic is a little bit more Premier League based a little bit more like Paul Scholes where Marquisio is a Yapirlo he's a little bit slower tempo but he identified in the game that the band of three wasn't really working Quadrado, Dybala and Mandzukic weren't getting any joy in an attacking sense um, in the first half of the game on Sunday night. So what Marquisio decided to do was just bypass them. Played a fantastic ball um, through to Gonzalo Higuain, who finished it. Of course, he's going to finish it. Gonzalo goals, the best one, the best striker in world football for me. I'd say he finishes better than Luis Suarez, which is a big, big statement to say. But yeah, he bypassed it. He, he understood that the game wasn't really working for Juve in, in the in the th- attacking midfield zone, so he just bypassed it. But it was a fantastic move. Benucci playing the ball out of the back, bypassing the two strikers who worked really hard. Cagliari set up with a, a three a three five two. Um, they made it really difficult for Juve to play through that middle and get the ball to those attacking midfielders. But what Benucci did, he brought brought the ball out, then played a, a pass to Marquisio, but he he beaten the first band of pressure because he dribbled the ball out, then he got pressed by the two strikers and managed to feed the ball through to Marquisio, which opened up space in front of their five-man midfield, and he found that fantastic pass to Gonzalo Higuain. But anyway, it was a, it was a great goal and gave Juve the lead. What Juve also have got in this, this shape, obviously they do drop back to this back four, but they've also got a great outlet on the counter-attack, and that's what we saw with the second goal. It came from a corner. They defended a corner and then broke, and what Quadrado gives this team on that right-hand side is pace and ability to dribble past an opponent. And it's a great outlet for Juve, uh, you know, for the Champions League. And that's where I feel Juve are going to be. They're going to be one of the dark horses of the Champions League this season. They've got to beat Porto. They've got to deal with Andre Silva. But if they can deal with Andre Silva, they could really go far. Their 4-4-2 defends a little bit like the Atletico 4-4-2, but they've got bags of pace on the counter and creativity. Obviously with Dybala and Quadrado, who combine so well. They seem to have a great understanding with each other and the counter-attack was uh, you know Quadrado picked the ball up in his own half drove through to the opposition's final third played a simple ball inside and then Dybala great composure slipped a ball to uh, Gonzalo Higuain who fired home again another fantastic finish from a crazy angle this Juve band of three it's got it all you know you've got the uh, wing play of Quadrado and the crossing but also on the other side you've got Mario Mandzukic who has played on the left-hand side before in his career but he, what, he plays it like a he's sort of like a wide target man a role that came into football manager a few seasons ago. I didn't think anyone was going to play it in, in world football. What Mantukic gives you is great work rate, great pressing ability, but also uh, intercepting, tackling, clearing. He does the defensive work hard, 
when you they have the ball, instead of sort of going to the near post and looking from Gonzalo Higuain from this right hand side with Licksteiner overlapping or Quadrado crossing, they look to Mario Mandzukic to overload the fullback, and it's it's really really nice, and that's why I like Allegri's side because it's got so many strings to its bow: the pace, the directness of Quadrado, the overlap from Licksteiner, the creativity of Dybala, the close control. Uh, the, the power of his left foot, the shooting of his left foot, the finishing of Higuain, but then as well, another tactical element on that left-hand side with Mandzukic work rate and his ability to, to get up and win aerial duels in the box. And that is why they are going to be the dark horses for the Champions League this season. Big fan of Juve, big fan of Allegri, and a massive fan of a lot of those Juventus players. They're not even touching on Pjanic. Pjanic as well didn't start the game, but he came off off the bench and the tempo flipped. The tempo started to get high octane, started to become more Premier League tempo. Pjanic is a player that so many teams have missed out on. They're going to Juventus to replace Paul Pogba and he's done it and improved the side. His relationship with Sami Kadira has been really good either one holds one goes Kadira plays that sort of shuttler aggressive pressing role but also uh, getting into the penalty area when needs be and Pjanic is dictating the play and I just uh, you know I can't say more this UV team is great to watch so go and check them out because they're going to be a threat in the Champions League to teams that will underestimate them and they do have that flexibility to go with a, a three of the five at the back but anyway that's been Juve I love Juve this season uh, let's move on to the big one, and that is the race to the top four in the Premier League, because it, boy, is that heating up. Anyway, quickly, uh, a quick drip, a drink of the, the, the tea. Uh, what a difference a Dave makes, the, the cup read, so make sure you check out Dave every single day, the Statman Dave podcast daily. Check it out. Right, so, the Premier League, it's hotting up. We've seen Chelsea, they've been dominant this year. They still are pretty dominant. They are definitely going to be in the top four. Give them a little tick. But if we look at the Premier League table, it's getting very, very tight. Two points separating the sixth place Manchester United with the second place, joint second place uh, Arsenal and Spurs. Manchester United do like sixth place this season. It's a it's a great achievement for Jose Mourinho's side, considering they've spent a lot of money this season to guarantee that sixth place. You think of the Pogba money, Mkhitaryan money, the bags of cash we're paying on Ibrahimovic's wages. So sixth place is good for United this year. It's progress. But the rest of the side, so we break down the table. United in uh, in sixth on with 48 points. Then we have Manchester City on 49 points with a game in hand. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. Liverpool on 49 points as well. Then Arsenal, Spurs on 50 points and Chelsea with 60 points. So, as I mentioned to you before, Chelsea are steamrolling this league and they will be in the top four 100%. What's going to be quite interesting about Chelsea is in the next few weeks is the form of Diego Costa. In the last few, three games, he's failed to score a goal um, and he's also only got three shots on target. So it's a bit, bit of a worry. Three shots? No, one shot on target in the last three games. Come on, Dave. Sort your stats out. But anyway, it's going to be quite interesting to see. What I want to kind of look at with the rest of these sides, because I think Chelsea will be in the top four, is analyse the team and maybe look at a key man. So just first up with Chelsea, obviously Diego Costa is their key man. He just needs to get back into goal-scoring form, but I definitely feel he will be. Pedro's been stepped up in, in recent weeks, scored six goals from just nine shots on target. So he's kind of taken the burden when Diego Costa isn't really in the greatest form in the last three games. But Chelsea, 100% in the top four. We'll tick those lads off. Then moving on to, I think we're going to touch on a little bit of Arsenal next. Because, uh, you know, there's been Wenger in, Wenger out. Um, I just want to do a little, my little take on Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. I feel that the Arsenal fans should give him a little bit more. He's done so much for their club. Obviously, there's a lot of talk of him not spending wages, not spending transfers. But in terms of what Wenger's done, is he kept Arsenal 
competitive and in the Champions League in a period where they spent all their money on a brand new stadium which will keep them competitive with the likes of Chelsea, Manchester City and Man United who are going to be throwing wedges and wedges of cash in the next few years. This will keep Arsenal financially competitive. You've seen the signing of Sanchez, seen the signing of Meza Ozil. Yes, potentially there could have been signings of Gonzalo Higuain in the past that would have taken Arsenal to that next level but Arsenal has kept them at a competitive level for long. I feel like you've just got to give Arsenal a little bit more time you know second in the Premier League or joint second in the Premier League is still is still there and I feel like Arsenal they're going to come for me in that top 400% I'm going to go with third place I feel like Sanchez's goals this season has taken Arsenal next year it's something I said last season put Sanchez through the middle just try it we saw at Udinese what he did we've seen at Barcelona what he did when he's played centrally these ruthless and he can be that Gonzalo Higuain for them and he has proved that he's got more goals than any other player he's got more assists than any other striker 17 goals in the league and 8 assists and that is the reason why Arsenal will get third place will be Sanchez's goals but also the return of Santi Cazorla we'll see the return of uh, Ozil's form it's one of those things where and the season where Mesut Ozil got the, got the 20 assists or the eight, whatever the, the large number of assists he got, Santi Cazorla was in the team um, when he was getting the majority of those. I think 13 of those assists came when Cazorla was not injured. And with Cazorla coming back, you'll see a massive improvement of Arsenal's central midfield to be able to control games more and so forth. There's a great, well not great moment, there's a pathetic moment from Danny Murphy on Match of the Day 2 where they were analysing Oxley chamberlains playing like, oh yeah, he's, he's great in central midfield. He, you know, his passing is really good and they Clips have been playing some pretty average passes. And then it flipped to it. Oh, this is a really good moment from Oxley Chamberlain. Basically, Oxley Chamberlain gambles on a ball. Ball breaks, he uses his pace, accelerates into the gap, gets behind the whole City midfield that Arsenal struggled to do all game. He drove, he drove, he drove. Then had a shot from about 30 yards that pretty much P-rolled into the keeper's hands. I remember, oh, you know, he's done really well there. He's driven, he's got a shot away. And I'm just thinking... What the hell are you talking about, Danny Murphy? That is atrocious. That is absolutely garbage football. Where's his composure there? He's in the final third. He's behind the whole team. Play a simple flaming pass and get your team in, you know, get them with the ball in the final third. Don't waste possession. Alexei Chamberlain, for me, won't ever be a central midfielder because of decision-making like that. For me, I like him as a right winger. I think he could be a really good right winger. A few seasons ago, he was playing on the right-hand side, and I saw Arsenal a few times um, at the Emirates, and I'm very, very impressed with Chamberlain. Very direct, very good at getting to the byline. I feel like playing him centrally. You're not getting that out of him. Danny Murphy, you're an idiot. But anyway, let's move on to another team, and obviously we've got to talk about Liverpool Spurs. The big game in the top four this weekend. A great game of football, and a game that um, uh, pretty much Liverpool blew them away. Spurs were so, so poor. They got caught in possession, what, f- I think it was... Four times in the first 19 minutes, it was, um, first up it was Victor Wanyama got caught in possession, then Dembele got caught in possession, and then Eric Dyer got caught in possession, and then he sliced a clearance, and it was really weird that Spurs just weren't at the game. Pochettino has never beaten Liverpool in his whole career as a manager. And it just, I don't know, Jürgen Klopp had him, absolutely had him, but I feel we're, we're seeing that Liverpool's key man, for me, to push for this top four, of course, is Sado Mane. This season, he's been directly involved in 15 Liverpool goals in the Premier League, that's more than any other Liverpool player. But in terms of what he gives this Liverpool side, it's pace, it's power, it's directness, and it's something that the other forwards don't do. The other forwards don't carry the ball in a pacey, attacking way that Mane does. And it was fantastic, in the first, I think it was the first half, he had four shots on goal, scoring two brilliant goals but it was that directness that Liverpool have been lacking I feel like what Mane is in this system he's the striker he's basically Marco Royce in this this um, this Klopp team 
Marco Royce, you know, at times was the goal scorer for, for Klopp when Lewandowski wasn't at that same level. Or maybe, you know, Lewandowski was at a level, but Liverpool don't have a Lewandowski. They've got Firmino, who will never get to that Lewandowski level in terms of goals, um, which isn't a bad thing. But Firmino does a very good role in his pressing. But I feel like Saido Mane is that sort of Marco Royce. He's the guy that's. He's almost like a poacher playing on the right wing that when Coutinho and Firmino goes to the ball, he's sort of the, the player that's furthest forward. And we saw with his pressing that he was the most aggressive guy. He was the guy leading the line, but he was it was so impressive how he used his pace and how he took his goals. And he's going to be a threat in the next few um, weeks. Actually, what Liverpool haven't got a Premier League game for like 26 days, is it? Which is pretty bad. That's a real momentum killer. But against Spurs, fantastic with the ball at his feet. And I'm a big fan of Sadio Mane from his days at Red Bull Salzburg. Hits to Dave, strikes again. So Liverpool, looking good, looking aggressive again, looking absolutely blue, but blue Spurs way with the tempo and aggression. So let's move on to Spurs, a really interesting one, because they've been so good playing the bigger teams and playing anyone in recent weeks. Their three at the back was absolutely fundamental. But them playing a 3-2-1 system with uh, Ericsson and then uh, Deli Ali, sorry, playing behind Harry Kane. But obviously they couldn't do that with Vertonghen out injured. I feel like it's a big, big blow, and they didn't look the same without Vertonghen in the side. And Lloris made so many good saves. He basically came, came that, uh, kept that game at the weekend to uh, you know on a level playing field because without him they would have been done. But I really feel they messed Vertonghen, and they really missed the tempo. And I'm, I'm surprised that Victor Wanyama was so, so poor in the game and Dembele. Victor Wanyama's been my favourite Spurs player this season, been so good at winning the ball back and being aggressive and not losing the ball in silly areas. And that's what he did against Liverpool. So Spurs potentially could be the team that are dropping out. If they don't sort that out, if you know, if the, the defensive pairing of um, Eric Dyer and Alderweireld can't stick together and without Danny Rose as well on that left-hand side they, they're losing some big players at a really key point in the season with the return of the Europa League that's going to cost them um, results as well we've seen Manchester United struggle this season in the Europa League that's cost them a number of points I think Spurs might stutter a little bit and we all know that Pochettino last seven games because of the press, pressing because of the intensity his teams usually sort of fall out I think they've in the last three seasons they've only won seven of the last 18 games in the Premier League so Spurs could be the guys dropping out so at the moment we've got Chelsea in there I feel like Arsenal are going to be in there let's touch on Man United we did talk about them before but they've been in a really good run of form I feel if they can manage the Europa League properly they'll be the team that nicks that fourth spot with Mkhitaryan with Martial with Mata behind Big Zlatman I feel like it's a really dominant front four and having Ander Herrera in there the key cog and obviously Paul Pogba which we mentioned before um, there's a lot of good components to, to the squad and so forth and if it like that United can nick fourth at the moment United look like the most team Liverpool Spurs Struggling with consistency, we'll see Liverpool's next game will be a, gr- a brilliant teller for there with a uh, Coutinho, Mane and Firmino will explode. But United look like the ones at the moment that could sneak in there. Let's finally touch on Manchester City, who I feel are going to feel finish second in the Premier League. Yes, big prediction from a Manchester United fan. But we've seen with Gabriel Jesus, different side. Three goals and one assist so far from Joy since joining Pal- Palermes uh, from Brazil. What he gives Pep Guardiola is a false nine. He is a false nine and a great option there. How he suits this side, it means that Guardiola can go back to playing these 3-8s with obviously Gundogan going out injured with De Bruyne and Silva and um, Gabriel Jesus playing very close to each other. With Yaya Torre at the base of midfield, I feel that's a really good combination for Manchester City. And of course, with Sane on one side, Sterling on the other, that is bags of pace. So with who I think is going to finish in the top four this season, I'm going to go with Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal and Manchester United. Anyway, a quick little preview for the City game versus Bournemouth this evening. I feel that Manchester City are going to blow Bournemouth away. 
Bournemouth have been a little bit resurgent this season. Jack Wilshire, as their key playmaker, he's created more chances, completed more take-ons and played more through balls than any other Bournemouth player. But I feel like this Bournemouth side lack a bit of physicality to cause Pep Guardiola problems with the likes of David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne playing these 3-8 roles. They have got a lot of things to deal with. And that's about it, guys. I'm going to go score prediction three goals to one to Manchester City. Gabriel Jesus with a brace. And we're going to go Raheem Sterling goal with uh, Leroy Sana a sit. But anyway, guys, that has been the first ever Statman Dave football podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've uh, enjoyed the, the change-up. And make sure that you um, you know follow me on Twitter. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Jump onto Acast and make sure you get on the uh, Saturday Day Football Podcast page and of course on iTunes later on this week but anyway guys tomorrow we're going to be hitting up some Champions League previews we're going to look at Antoine Griezmann 2 Manchester United and have some fun anyway guys see you later thanks for watching listening and getting involved Bye-bye.